Welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have a very unique and very different point of view on the world of marketing and what CMOs need to be doing. In fact, we're going to talk about the data-driven CMO. And Heidi Lanford is here with us. Heidi is a chief data officer, talks all the time to other chief data officers, CEOs, CMOs, CROs, about how to make everything work better and more successfully. So Heidi, maybe you can just give us a little bit more on your background before we jump into things. Sure, thank you, Stephen. Um, Mike, glad to be here. This is really fun. And uh, I have a, a big spot in my heart um, for marketing. I spent a lot of time in my career uh, doing and working with CMOs and other marketers on how to leverage data and analytics. But um, my background is, um, is in really looking at ways to solve the most uh, challenging business problems by leveraging data and analytics, um, whether that be simple stuff like you know dashboards and um, basic analytics to all that predictive stuff that we hear a lot about and even artificial intelligence and machine learning. And I, I love uh, working with, um, with business folks because, you know, the, the key, I think, to really making this almost exciting and fun as well as successful in a company is when you've got strong partnerships with business leaders where you can leverage data and help them be more successful as well. So... Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I think one of the best ways to start out here is just from the chief data officer point of view, why should we be paying attention? Why is data so important to the growth of these B2B companies? Can you kind of frame that and put that in perspective for us? Sure. I mean, you know, data is everywhere. It's It's been increasing in volume in... Um, frequency in how much it controls and influences, I think, our own personal lives. And we've seen that uh, in parallel as we've looked at how businesses have grown, adopted, transformed as well um, on the business side of things. And so you, you, can't, you can't get away from it. It's, it's there. It's everywhere. And I think, you know, the reason that this function or, you know, teams like data teams and analytics teams have uh, risen in popularity and prominence over probably the past decade um, is because there's so much hinging on using good data to make uh, informed decisions, help build new products, you know, interact and engage with your customers and prospects um, better and so this emphasis um, on, well, who's watching over our data? I think we're going to talk a little bit during this time about, you know, some of the responsibilities and ideas that the chief data and analytics officer might have, but also that this is really incumbent upon everybody uh, in the company because it's in every single function um, that exists today. And it's becoming more and more of a driver and, and companies that are leveraging this um, to the max are the ones that are outperforming companies that I think are not 
either taking care of their data or not putting enough of an emphasis um, on, on utilization of data within, within their own house. I have to ask the follow-on question to this is because there's a huge trend these days with every company being a data company. You, you can't be in business without being a data company these days. And the idea of digital transformation and Deloitte as an example calls that digital transformation is the difference between the business of today and tomorrow. How does data and what you're talking about here how does that play into digital transformation and that opportunity? Yeah, I mean, you know, my my personal opinion is that um, digital transformation can't succeed without data. I mean, data is, you know, like the the blood that throws flows through the body, and the digital transformation could be, you know, to use the human analogy. Um, I want to get stronger, I want to get more fit, I want to be healthier. Um, if you don't have high quality, you know, blood running through you, all of the exercise that you do, and even, you know, things that you're trying to improve in terms of your diet isn't going to affect the kind of change if you don't have good blood flowing through you. And so I think data is kind of like that in a company. I think the digitalization of either business processes or even data within a company, um, it, it requires uh, people to take care of and ensure that data is um, of high quality, that it's meaningful, that it's correct, that it's informing you of things. And um, without that, I don't think digital transformations can be successful. And that's why, I mean, they, to me, they're like hand in glove. They, they go together with, without one and, and vice versa. If you just focus all your time on getting better quality data and you don't do the digital transformation part of it, you've invested a lot of money in probably technology and databases and tools and people and if you can't get folks to leverage that and change you know, how the business is going to market, running HR, running finance, whatever, um, you know, then it's, it's probably an investment that's not going to have the, the greatest return on investment that you had hoped for without the digital part of it. Well, let's, let's take that and go to the next level, because you and I, before we hit the record button, we were talking about three areas that data has massive benefits for a company internally, right? And then with partners and, and, and then sales and marketing and, and prospecting and getting new clients. But let's start out with internally. What are some of the biggest benefits that you see internally that a CMO who touches, you know, all different departments and works with the CEO and all the C-suite, what are these benefits that we should be looking out for or taking advantage of? Yeah, I think, you know, this this use case, Stephen, is probably the most common one that I see um, myself and my my peers who have either been chief data officers or data and analytics officers um, do. And I would call it the, you know, I call it like the operational uh, CDO role. So to, you know, to your point, um, there's, there's so much great data available um, in a company. So lots of people um, experience poor sales forecasts, you know, sales forecasts, 
not that accurate. I mean, they haven't been at when, when have they been accurate, you know, and with all of this data, they're still not getting more accurate. Now we could totally talk on a, another tangent about sales discipline and, you know, things like that, but, you know, let's face it, there have been tons of technologies that have created a rich source of um, sales data interactions with leads, prospects, customers, et cetera. So utilizing all of that information to um, inform and produce uh, what I will say maybe an alternate forecast or a more accurate forecast um, to help the company prepare if they're publicly traded, um, be better prepared for their quarterly earnings calls and managing expectations on the street and things like that. Um, that is a, that's a really key one. And, you know, also in addition to uh, that benefiting, I think the CMO, because they've got responsibility for that, helping that pipeline development, um, they will win the hearts and minds with the CFO if they partner with them to get that sales forecast uh, more robust and more accurate using all of those interactions and touch points. Um, you know, we've also talked, you and I, in the past about uh, technology and software that's out there, you know, with this proliferation of artificial intelligence that can do lots of really interesting things, um, not depending on a salesperson to enter in, you know, I talked to this account on this date and I'm now putting my probability of closing at the end of the quarter at 80% for product X. Um, but there are indicators that that we have that look at frequency of interactions, the amount of time that is being spent, follow-up activities that are happening that are all leading indicators to the likelihood that a deal is going to close and that a certain amount of revenue is gonna come in. And so there's technology out there that companies can use and marketers can use to help improve that, that forecast. So that's one, to me, huge example of you got to leverage this stuff. It's just a, at this time in the, in the world, like it's, it's egregious if you're not leveraging that, that data um, to inform better forecasting. Um, you know, some other ideas and I don't, did you want to cut in? Oh, no, I, okay. I'm, I'm enjoying everything you're saying. Okay. I love the the examples of how I don't think there's any company out there that doesn't want better forecast, right? And of it's course. a struggle because every business decision is based on the forecast of revenue coming in. So that's huge for companies. Yeah, I and I agree. And I will say, um, even if you can't get all of the business leaders' hearts and minds to say, we're just going to have one forecast, at least, at least bring something that is more holistically data-driven than the sales forecast to the table to help prepare for managing expectations on um, earnings and, and setting targets and things like that. So I guess what I'm saying is two forecasts or three forecasts representing slightly alternate views are better than one that's not um, trusted and based on all of the data inputs that you have. It so, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, so, well, I want to make sure we have enough time to go through all the things that we've talked about because there's 
that's a very good example of the internal benefits of it to an organization. Talk to us a little bit about the partners and added value that companies can instill and offer as a competitive advantage actually to their partners and in particular channel partners. Yeah. So, you know, I, I've worked in the B2B space for a long time. And, um, you know, whenever you are leveraging the channel, you know, or, you know, a two tier or even one tier distribution system, go to market strategy, uh, being one or two steps away from what's actually happening is, is a disadvantage to the company that's creating the product or, or service or software. So um, in, in my career, you know, I've, I've found opportunities to figure out ways to work with channel partners. And it, sometimes it might be a small number to do a pilot to sort of share their point of sale data or sales and marketing data in whatever form it's in back to you know, the company that's making the product. Um, you have to put lots of boundaries around this, but there's got to be something in it for them because you're asking, you're asking your distributors or your resellers to do some extra work. So they're going to say, well, what's in it for me? And by amassing that information and doing it across your, your partner ecosystem and feeding it back in the form of analytics that's meaningful to them makes makes it worthwhile and i've done this several times and i've i've seen it be very very successful um but this gives you you know what we call like data as a service so you might be selling a piece of software but you're also selling analytics and data as a service and what that does is that gets your relationship with the partner um, much more entrenched, increases the level of trust. And it's frankly, it's a win-win for, you know, both companies. You know what's actually happening. How are end customers bundling products together? What is the time period between selling product A and selling product B or expanding the licenses for product A? You, you miss that when you're selling through the channel. You miss that level of detail. The partner gets all that great information and you can even say, well, this is how you stack rank for selling product A compared to uh, other channel partners that we have. And interestingly, everybody likes a little bit of competition. And so everybody ends up kind of doing better because they want to be in that top quartile of performance. There's more incentives, there's more um, co-marketing funds that that you know they get from you know you if you're the company selling the product so um, that is a great strategy for using data as a service and giving it back even if you're not in the business of data so and also i've never met a channel partner that didn't want it to be easier to sell right so to to create data and provide insights that make it easier for them to sell they're going to gravitate to where the where the the easier form of revenue is for them right absolutely so, so let's go to the third big area so okay. we talked about internally in the company the benefits of data externally with partners 
But now in terms of marketing and sales and, and working with clients and prospects and, and benchmarking and things like that, tell us a little bit about this area. Because I think this is what this is one that, that directly lives in what you know we as CMOs like want to do every single day, right? Is how do we help that whole process all the way through the pipeline? Yeah. So, I mean, this one is kind of fun, I think, because it can tap into your creative juices um, and, and have you think about what new products or services can we offer to our customers that aren't, you know, the tried and true, the, the stock, you know, products that we, that we typically sell. So if you think about it's sort of like um, another step, like the, the benchmarking example that we just talked about with channel partners. But think about all the data that you have on your products and how your products are being used and brainstorm what possibilities you might have in packaging that data as, a, as an add-on, whether it's a, a, a giveaway, you know, it's a, a freebie, or um, it's something that you can actually monetize. And, you know, I think the other, the other aspect of it too is it can help inform and improve your own product development. So now if you're on the marketing side or let's say the services side and you're analyzing uh, tick, support tickets, or you're able to, so you know where people are having problems and, and, and what's not going well as well as what's going well. Or you, you see how your software might be performing at your client's site if it's some kind of a hosted situation. So all of that data, if, if you think about aggregating that across all of the different client use cases you might have, think about the value that that might have for say a CIO at your, at your client. Um, they might find that information useful. Now, you know, the one thing that you have to caveat all of this with is you have to put in place usage agreements. You have to be very transparent about how the data is being used. You need to understand privacy laws and things like that in whatever country you're operating. Um, but there are companies out there who are doing exactly what I'm talking about, and they're using that to add value to their product, and that makes their product and their services stickier with their with their customers. So, and you know what's what's really good? It, it not only adds value to the product, but every organization we are sellers, right? Because that's what we do, and no buyer wants to be sold to; they want to be taught. They want to gain insights. They want to have ways that they can understand more about what's going on in the industry to make better decisions, to lower their risk. All of this is happening. And so this data is can be turned into insights that are special reports, all kinds of things that help position you as that expert, as mm -hmm. that leader, as that thought leader in the industry. And that's what sparks conversations. Right? Talking about existing products and services is very important down the funnel. But when you're trying to expand into that 97% or so of the market that doesn't know who you are, coming out with content that is thought leadership quality, that is teaching and helping, educating, uh, 
you, you just can't say that um, how important that is because that's what all the studies are showing, right? Is salespeople these days, they have to be trusted advisors. Yeah. And that data helps build that trust, that expertise, and that advisory and consulting capacity. So I just really want to underscore that. Um, and, and that actually leads into uh, an area that I wanted to talk to you about, because all of that comes out as content and conversation. And so, you know, in your kind of background and your perspective of worked across the organization with CMOs, CROs, CEOs, uh, what do you view as the importance of content in the overall success and growth of the business? One, not important at all. 10, it's, it's imperative for the organization. So I'll, I'll give you a number since you're, since you're forcing me to give you a number, I'll give you a number, but I'm going to caveat the number. So okay. I think, I think content um, is, is a 10 if, and only if it's customized and leveraged using quantitative at a minimum, qualitative is always great as well as a smoother outer, if you will. Um, but that has to be based in um, quantitative insights driving and influencing how that content can be shaped and formed. So I'll give you a quick example of um, a segment, a customer segmentation project that I worked on a while back, and it involved quantitative data as well as survey data and focus groups and things like that. And one of the things that, you know, that we found was that um, our customers really liked the technology that we had in our product. Um, and this was this was a while back before um, software as a service became a thing and hosted was a thing. So this is, I'm now dating myself, but they said it was so challenging and difficult to put it in place that they needed a better support model and they needed help convincing you know, their CIO or whatever on benefits and things like that. But not all of them felt that way. The reason I bring this up is I partnered with the head of product marketing to do this customer segmentation project. And to make it really simple, the output of this was we need different content for segment A versus segment B versus segment C same product underneath, but slightly nuanced and customized. And that was going to have a much, it was going to resonate much better with who the technical buyers and the business buyers were for that same product. And it was the surveys that we did and the analytics that we did showing past buying behavior of customers in those different segments, those three segments, um, really showed that if we did not change and customize the content that we were going to fall flat and and not be able to penetrate you know those segments in the market i i couldn't have done that as a as a data and analytics person on my own without having that product marketing partner who believed who believed in this first of all but it was also willing to frankly do a little bit of extra work because now we were saying messaging content, et cetera, has to have three flavors, not, not just one flavor. And she believed in that and was willing to go that extra mile to do it with me. But I also couldn't have done it without her 
putting that real life um, spin on it. I, I've never met a, a B2B company that didn't have content gaps right across all of their ICPs, the verticals that they're, you mm-hmm. know, that they're targeting. That it, it creates a matrix for the need for high quality content. And this is, you know, data is one of the best ways to get high quality content, especially it's only delivered through you, right? Yep. So I want to ask before we end a very important question. And that is, we've talked a lot. We've covered a lot of territory here, but if you were going to help give us one takeaway that we should be thinking about from this conversation, what would that be? Um, I think if you are in a position where you're embarking on a data and or digital transformation at your company, think of that as um, something that you also need to play a significant role in as a CMO leader in marketing or whatever. Um, I think chief data officers can be your best friend. They can make you look really good. Um, You can both enjoy a lot of success and wins within your company if you um, partner well uh, with them. And likewise, the CDO needs to be partnering well with, you know, head of marketing, head of sales, but um, think of, think of data at your company as our company's data, not, you know, the data team's problem to fix it, keep it clean, make it available. Yeah. And and I think everything that you've talked about in this podcast and and the overall importance of the data should bring that whole C-suite and the different departments together and say, this is this is not a responsibility of one group or one department. It's our overall responsibility to make sure we're creating and utilizing this data as it should be. That's right. Well, and that's where the success is going to come in if, if everybody's on board with that. I mean, it's, you know, lots of opportunity. If people wanted to have a conversation with you, a follow-up question, would LinkedIn be a good place for them to find you or how, how best could we connect you with folks? Yeah, no, LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me and um, I can share my email address with you uh, afterwards too. Fantastic. Well, thank you for coming in and sharing all these insights. It's a, it, it's fun to geek out on data and it's fun to geek out and learn all the ways that it can be applied and learned too. And, and we've just started scratching the surface here, but thank you for opening up our minds with what the potential really is. Thank you, Steve, for having me.